My sister is 13 years older than me. So while I was still fairly little, she went away to college. But after a year, she transferred back to a local college near home. When she lived at home, she had a part-time job at some kind of discount carpet outlet doing office work. Unfortunately, the owner of the establishment had a habit of making suggestive remarks to her, which my dad eventually got wind of. So he went down to have a little talk with him and with typical Sicilian subtlety, convinced him that he would probably be better off minding his manners. It worked. He backed off and my sister kept the job through graduation. My sister was fortunate, one that she had a father who could be very persuasive in that way, but more so that her situation was such that if worse came to worse, she could have walked away from that job if she had had to, because she had my parents. She wasn't using her paycheck to make rent or to buy food. She wasn't a single mom trying to raise her children without help from anyone else. This points to one of the important but overlooked functions of a family. It's a kind of economic safety net and a protection against exploitation. It provides a person with buffers against downturns and difficult situations in life. Even if my sister had been supporting herself on that income, I have no doubt that if she had come to my parents and said, I need to quit this job now, even though I don't have another job lined up, they would have helped her until she could have gotten back on her feet. The sad thing is that more and more people in our society do not have intact families, either because of divorce or separation or because of the failure of the parents to marry in the first place. And the lack of an intact nuclear family then fragments the network of extended families in the world. The breakdown of the family hits the poor especially hard. That's why, as a society, people increasingly look to government to provide much of the social support and security that would have, in the past, been the province of family and extended relatives to provide, whether that's the care of children, assistance with employment or unemployment, or emergency shelter or assistance or care for the elderly. I'm not suggesting that government doesn't have any role to play in any of these things. But clearly there's a problem when, because family bonds are weak or non-existent, government becomes the line of first rather than last resort in dealing with these things. As one expert said, there is not a single area of government concern, not a single budget of a major social policy area that does not grow in size when marriages fail or when parents reject each other. Picking up the pieces becomes not just the work of the fragmented family itself, but of all taxpayers and the whole of society. The breakdown has now reached such a level as to be massively expensive. It's almost staggering to think how many social problems would be significantly improved if we had stronger family bonds in our society, not just within the nuclear family, but as I said before, also with extended family and relatives as well. So many needs could be met without having to involve churches or charities let alone the government. When I hear the confessions of young people, one of the most common sins that I hear confessed, as you might expect, is that they disrespected or disobeyed their parents. But it's interesting that when I hear the confession of kids who are immigrants, they will frequently confess as well that they disobeyed or disrespected their aunt or their uncle, or perhaps their grandfather or their grandmother. I almost never hear that from American-born children 
because I suspect most American kids aren't raised to see their extended family figures in that light as genuine authority figures in their life. They may love them, but they don't see them as exercising a kind of power that they are bound to respect. Because the sense of the vital importance of family bonds among extended relatives has significantly eroded in our society, even amongst those who might still recognize the importance of the nuclear family. But a family, whether nuclear or extended, is not just about taking care of its own. The loss of family bonds also weakens the sense of solidarity within the larger society. Family life teaches us about sacrifice, about care for others, and about interpersonal communion. People who are blessed with a rich family life are also usually attentive to the duties of charity towards the poor and those in need, even outside of their families. In the Gospel reading, we see that the rich man ignored the poor beggar Lazarus, who camped just outside his doorstep. Then we witness the fact that he begs Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his five brothers to repent so they will not end up like him, suggesting that they too lived a life like his, lacking charity towards the poor. Clearly something was wrong in this family to turn out so many bad apples. In the marriage rite of the church, part of the blessing given to the couple at the end of the service goes like this. May you always bear witness to the love of God in this world so that the afflicted and the needy will find in you generous friends and welcome you into the joys of heaven. It's almost as if this was composed with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in mind. It expresses the hope that the family unit formed by the sacrament of marriage will be the engine of charity in this world. It's said that charity begins at home meaning that we have to first learn to love in the family before we can be expected to love outside of the family. Family is the vital cell of society, as the Church's Compendium of Social Doctrine teaches, in which people are formed in the experience of love. But hopefully it will also remind us that works of charity should be a family affair as well. Too often, where it's done at all, service to others is done on a very individualistic level. Perhaps one parent is involved with some kind of charity through work. Another is doing ministry through the church. And maybe the kids do service through school or the scouts or some other organization like that. Those things are all well and good. But families should try to find a way in which they can serve the poor and those in need by the action of the family working together, all of the members. A family volunteering or serving together in some capacity truly expresses the fact that the family is meant to be the incubator of Christian charity in this world. And it's even more wonderful if a family's charitable mission is expressed by sharing family life itself with others, especially those who might lack a strong family network themselves. Families should be at the forefront of giving hospitality and aid to those in need, to those who are sick or lonely or poor. Not always through some intermediate organization, but by inviting those needing help and comfort into our homes and families and aiding them in other ways as a family. In this way, family life can truly be said to be a sign of the new covenant. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.